Welcome to the Revolutionary Insights Podcast number six. Today's episode is titled, Is Election Fraud Real? Thanks for tuning in. I'm Bill Hawkins, your host. Today I'm going to tell you about the time I first encountered election fraud personally in 1972 at the age of 10. The last time was this past Friday. I'm also going to tell you what a county sheriff in West Virginia told me after uh, his apartment did an investigation in his county during the Obama presidency. Then we'll talk about the evidence that we know about in this most recent election, at least where we are so far. So also, if you'd like my latest book, which is Where's the Party, then go to the Revolutionary Insights website and click on the store tab. There are two books available, Prickett's Fort, a historical novel, and then uh, also, obviously, Where's the Party? I also want to thank Nancy from Forrest. She bought uh, both those books yesterday and uh, signed both of them and uh, dropped them in the uh, mail. There's going to be a personal message with it. So if you want to order one, I don't have any problem about uh, personalizing for you or as a gift for somebody else. So the question is, does voter fraud really exist? And I know right now it's kind of uh, strange. In 2016, they blamed the Russians for voter fraud and talked about uh, the media, for example, and the Democrats and how important our election was. But now that we actually have the evidence for it, because there wasn't any evidence in 2016, uh, the thorough investigation was done by the Democrats. They still could find nothing. But uh, now that we actually have evidence, or do we have evidence? I know the media is trying to say that maybe we don't have evidence, but then, of course, uh, they thought there was evidence when there was none. So uh, the opposite is true here. They're going to say there's no evidence when there is some. So I'm going to tell you some personal stories just to let you know that this does exist. Plus, they're, I think, a little bit interesting. Be like, uh, for example, I had a great uncle who bragged about buying votes. Uh, and that was back before around 1972. And then uh, also, just a few days ago, I found out that uh, something else about the FBI uh, talked to a uh, talked to a neighbor, somebody I know, and uh, you're going to find interesting what they were talking about. Uh, so anyway, uh, now, whenever you're, I am like doing my research, and uh, for this episode, I had to do research, there's a lot of information out there. So who do you trust? Uh, I know who I don't trust. I don't trust Facebook, for example, uh, especially their fact checkers. As an example, I uh, one of the one of my sources uh, is a website called uh, thegatewaypundit.com, and I know that Google doesn't like them, uh, Facebook doesn't like them, uh, Twitter doesn't like them, and that's a good reason for me to like them, because uh, actually I posted uh, one of the videos on my uh, Facebook page, uh, Revolutionary Insights. I posted that, and uh, later on I looked at it, and there was a fact checker on it saying that the information was partly false. So I looked at it. I uh, thought I'd see why, why did Facebook say this was partly false. They gave two reasons. One was because of an incident in Michigan, uh, and another one was because of an incident in Wisconsin, they said, that they said was false. Uh, I did not have that in my notes, so I actually watched the video again. And guess what? Uh, it didn't say anything about uh, what Facebook said that the fact checker said that it was wrong with it about Michigan wasn't even in there. And then they also cited Wisconsin, and Wisconsin was not even mentioned in the video. So again, the fact checkers are wrong, and therefore that's why I call Facebook uh, is actually, to me, fake book. So anyway... The Gateway Pundit is a conservative site 
they uh, they do some actually some very good uh, very good work very good work so you might want to check that out sometime but they put up a video and this video I was just the uh, one I was just talking about was called drop and roll in which they cover the 2020 election and the Democrat attempt to overthrow the will of the American people. The drop, as far as drop and roll, the drop is talking about a drop of votes in like, especially the wee hours of the, of the morning uh, from unknown sources that uh, overwhelmingly, uh, sometimes 100%, favored uh, uh, Joe Biden. The roll part of drop and roll was the uh, to fix the remaining uh, vote counts, but then when they did it, they did it in exact proportion to keep the lead for Biden once it was fraudulently obtained. Now, when I, I, I usually don't like to go in and talk about stats, but this is an election, it's votes, and so it's going to have to be some stats in there. I hope you'll just uh, uh, will bear with me as I, as I get into this. But before I actually get into that part of it, let me just go back and uh, tell you a few of the uh, few of the things that went on whenever I was a kid. So let's begin with the my great uncle, Braille. Braille was a staunch Democrat. And as a staunch Democrat, he was, uh, <laughs> he was well, like my dad would talk to him. I wasn't really talking to him because, you know, I respect your elders. But dad one time told him, he said, well, Braille, he said, if Jesus Christ came down here and ran as a Republican and a, and a jackass ran in as a Democrat, he said, you'd vote for the jackass, wouldn't you? And Braille, I remember sitting there, I was actually listening on this and watching this. With no hesitancy, he said that he would vote for the jackass over Jesus Christ if the jackass was a Democrat, uh, which, you know, you figure that one out yourself. But anyway, uh, yeah, uh, that's my uncle, uh, great uncle Braille. But uh, Uncle Braille had bragged to my dad about uh, the time that he was buying votes. And uh, he was very proud of that fact. He was uh, buying, buying votes. This is in West Virginia. Uh, I'm not sure uh, when he was doing it, if it was the 50s, 60s, or when it might have been. But uh, he was paying $20 for a vote. And my dad asked him, he said, well, you know, how did you know they voted the right way? And Uncle Brown said, well, I stood over, stood over them right there in the booth, and I watched to make sure they voted the right way. Back in those days, you could, I guess you can get away with that. Uh, so now they can't quite get away with it, that now. So now they have to be a little bit more clever about how they, uh, how they do it, and we're going to see that in a little bit. But also, 1972, this is what I mentioned in the intro, 1972, it was Election Day. I was riding to school with my dad. We stopped at the state road garage so he can go in and vote. And when he came out, I saw him stop and he was talking to uh, a man. Uh, the man who had just, he actually, I watched him, came out and he went over to a truck and he got a box. And he, then after my dad talked to him, he, they, uh, they, they, dad came over to our truck and he went over to his truck. And dad got in the truck with me and, and he said, you see that man over there? And when I was talking to him, I looked and I said, yeah. He said, well, he said, uh, you know what's in that box? I said, no. And he said, that's a pair of boots. Said, that's what the Democrats gave him to vote for, the, for, uh, for their uh, people this year. And uh, I said, wow, I mean, you're allowed to do that? And he said, no. He said, he got offered the same deal. And I said, well, he didn't have a box there. And he said it was either the, uh, uh, it, it was either the, Boots or a uh, bottle of whiskey. And uh, dad just turned it down and he went in and voted how he was going to vote anyway. 
But, uh, you know, that was that blatant. That was 1972. That was sitting out right outside the precinct where my dad voted. So then also, when I went to college, uh, I remember the uh, I was going to volunteer to work at the polls. And I actually was not inside the polls, but when I went through the training, they didn't know where I was going to be at the time. So anyway, I went through the training. They were talking about things you have to be careful of. And then the, the poll worker, uh, the, the trainer, the trainer then said that uh, the uh, used to be little old ladies uh, would sit there and they would have a uh, a piece of lead from a pencil underneath their fingernails. And as they would go through the ballots, like they're just trying to read them with their fingers going over it, they would mark for the Democrat candidates. So they said that's the type of thing that we're trying to avoid uh, avoid now. The uh, also, and this actually wasn't too long ago. This was this right here when I'm getting ready to tell you about. This took place. I probably had this conversation about six or seven years ago, and I was talking to a former sheriff of a county in West Virginia. It was a very Democrat county, uh, notorious for being so. And uh, he was a Democrat, uh, but he told me he said uh, that he had his department do an investigation into voter fraud in their county. He said they end up with a, and the way he held his, his fingers apart is about uh, two and a half to three inches. He said they had a binder full with that much information. He said they were having people coming from different states to come up there to vote. And uh, he said, he gave me some more information, which I can't remember all of it. But he said that uh, once he got it done, it took him about a year to do this. So then he took it to the U.S. Attorney's Office. The U.S. Attorney's Office said they will check with the higher ups to see if they want them to proceed with this. And they said he didn't hear anything back for a while. Finally, got back with the U.S. attorney, and they said uh, they uh, checked with the Obama Justice Department, and they said do not do an investigation on these allegations of fraud because this was obviously something that was actually favoring the Democrats. So then let's go up to uh, Friday, this past Friday. This past past Friday, I was talking to a, uh, a electrician who happened to be black, and he told me, he said that one of his neighbors uh, got a knock on his door. He went to answer the door, and uh, he said the guy asked him about his wife. So the uh, the neighbor said, my wife, what do you want to know about my wife? And uh, so the person identified himself as an FBI agent. He said they were wanting to uh, check on her to make sure that, uh, that uh, she had voted in this past election. And so the neighbor said, well, my wife died three years ago. The FBI asked if, they had a, uh, if he had a death certificate. He did provide it for them. What's going on with that? I do not know. But the good thing I thought from that, at least it sounds like the FBI is doing some kind of investigation themselves as far as at least with dead people voting because that happened right here in Lynchburg, Virginia, which is not one of these big Democratic uh, cities, if you will. So imagine what happened where this was, uh, where a blind eye would be turned would be turned to it uh, by the uh, officials. And actually, I think the official here is, is under a little bit of uh, scrutiny for things that she's done wrong. So anyway, back to what I was talking about the Gateway Pundit and how they would actually uh, uh, how they would actually steal these the election. One thing that they uh, that they did in this is when they did this uh, the drop and roll technique as I was just uh, as I was just mentioned to you the let's look at Georgia first Georgia uh, Trump was leading 57% to 42% 
Then during the night, uh, and some of you might have seen the uh, the alleged uh, pipe burst that took place that uh, shut down the State Farm Arena, which now we we know is uh, was not true. It was an excuse made so they could go in and uh, uh, do whatever they had to with the, the machines, I guess, or find some more votes for Biden because they must have found more votes because there was a drop of uh, votes for Biden early morning hours that gave Biden a sudden lead where he'd been behind the entire time before that. And then, now listen to this, the next 53 batches of votes favored Biden 50.05% to Trump's 49.95%. 53 batches of votes in a row favored Biden by that little bit of margin. Well, okay, a little bit of margin, that's great. But 53 batches of votes in a row by the exact same margin? That's a little bit fishy, don't you think? Uh, because actually, that's impossible to achieve. Unless, of course, fraud's involved. That way you can actually have something like that uh, occur, but only if fraud is involved. But let's look at Michigan. Trump is up in Michigan 53% to 43%. Then at 6.31 a.m., 141,258 votes came in for Biden. Guess what? That gave Biden the lead. Now, what's the first thing we saw here in Georgia with these batches coming in with the same percentages? Then what happened here in Michigan, almost every batch after 9.15 a.m. that morning had exactly a 50% to 49% ratio for Biden. Once, and I counted the, I counted one, uh, the, uh, the information they had here, it was eight straight batches in a row had the same, had the same difference. Again, uh, you know, 53 is horrible and impossible. Eight is also impossible to achieve in a role. And if obviously there was ones before that and after and after that as well. Uh, let's look at Virginia. Virginia is actually where I'm at right now. Uh, Virginia, they had, uh, Trump was leading 52% to 46%. Then in the middle of the night, we had a drop here. It was uh, 308,000 votes for Biden, which gave Biden the lead. The lead. And then after that, it was uh, this time they had to give a little bit bigger margin to uh, to Biden. So they gave a margin to uh, to Biden of uh, the batches of 55% to 45%. They did this with and this the 55 to 45 was the exact percentage in 29 out of 36 batches of votes. Again, an impossibility unless there's fraud involved. Pennsylvania. Pennsylvania has been on news a lot. Uh, if you happen to watch anything besides the mainstream media, which is trying to cover this up, but uh, Trump led by 700,000 votes for hours on election night, and then one million uh, votes come in for Biden over the next 48 hours, uh, which gave him obviously the lead. And then, and speaking of which, when it comes to his mail-in ballots. Then what happened was that every county, uh, the uh, what had happened on election day with mail-in ballots, what happened after the election day when these were, uh, whenever the they counted the, the mail-in ballots, Trump only got 40% of what he had been getting on election day. So 
In other words, if he was getting 100 votes on nasty ballots on election day, after election day, he only got 40 votes. The pattern was all messed up here, not in the favor of Trump, obviously, but in the favor of Biden, because now Trump was getting less votes. And not just one county, all the counties in Pennsylvania were counted like this. Um, again, impossible unless there's fraud involved. Now, also something that was just released yesterday was uh, a uh, what was called the Voter Integrity po uh, Project. They uh, they released some of these, these stats, and I did go th through this video. This one was uh, a little bit uh, uh, longer, and uh, you know, and it's like actually the person in the in the video that was had headed up this project. He was talking about how transparent it has to be, but also how we have to understand these 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 numbers. And he doesn't really accept anything. He doesn't really understand it, uh, which is really a good standard to take. If you don't not expert on something, then don't pretend like you are, is what he's trying to say. So in other words, he was trying to be very transparent, very open, where these numbers that that they were able to show uh, when they did their research are really you know irrefutable, unless, as he said, there's mistakes involved because mistakes sometimes are made. If anybody can wanted to point mistakes out, he'll be happy to listen to you and correct those mistakes. So anyway, in other words, this is a person of integrity that is doing something that the mainstream media is not gonna be able to poo-poo, unless, of course, they lie about it, which they lie about things all the time, so you know who knows what they're gonna do. But anyway, in this project, this was just came out uh, yesterday. Uh, the, uh, he was talking about absentee ballots. And they checked into the uh, different states, all the states separate Nevada. Nevada was a little bit different this time. I say those states. We're talking about Arizona, Georgia, Michigan, Pennsylvania, and Wisconsin. In those states, they checked on absentee ballots. When they did that, those were states that a voter had to request a ballot for it to be sent to them, unlike Nevada. That's why Nevada was unincluded. But they had to request a ballot in order for it to be sent to them. In Arizona, 44.1% of the people that ballots were sent to, or allegedly sent to, well, were sent to, 44.1% um, did not request them. In Georgia, 18.4% of the uh, ballots sent out were not requested. Michigan, 24.2%, Pennsylvania, 32.6%, and Wisconsin, 18.1%. There is a flaw in the election right there. You are sending absentee ballots out to people that did not uh, that did not request them, and it doesn't mean they contacted every person to see if they requested. This is by uh, they had to have the request in, and it didn't match up. In other words, there wasn't a, a match between the number of requests and number of ballots being sent out. Um, so, in other words, if that was the case, then who did request these ballots? You know, obviously some mistakes can be made here and there, but really that's a that's a huge number of, of ballots that's being sent to people that didn't request them. So we're not even sure exactly, you know, who got them. And if the people that, uh, so in other words, who voted? Who voted in those those cases? We really don't know. Um, so then also, now this is something I thought was extremely interesting. He showed a number in Wisconsin. He said they really weren't looking for this, but this is just some information that they discovered as they were doing all their research into this uh into this election fraud. And he said that in Wisconsin, they have a rigid absentee ballot, uh, ballot requirements. To get an absentee ballots, uh, a ballot in uh, Wisconsin, you have to show your ID. But he said there's one way you do, not, you do not have to show your ID. 
and that is for what uh, what he called the uh, somebody who was uh, confined uh, for an extended period of time. And that would be somebody like if somebody was bedridden, somebody was, uh, you know, they couldn't get out to a voting to the vote to the um, to the voting area so that they could present their ID. They gave made an exception. Wisconsin did for people that were kind of shut-ins, if you will. So uh, what happened was that when they did this research here, they found uh, some very interesting numbers. What it was, was that they actually went from 2010 each year through 2020. So 10 years of the, the numbers of times these ballots were requested, these special ballots for people who were like shut in. And so uh, they were small numbers. We're talking 800, 1,000 such. But I'm going to give you the presidential years just so you can show the difference. I can show you the difference in the numbers here. In 2012, that presidential election, there was 3,298 of these ballots requested. In 2016, there was 8,989 of these ballots requested. In 2020, there was 169,282 of these ballots requested. So let me repeat that again. 2012, 3,298 ballots. 2016, 8,989. And then 2020, over 169,000 of these ballots were requested. Somebody figured out a good way to cheat. And that's really what that boils down to. And by the way, COVID was not a legal excuse to get this. They still had to be shut in uh, to get this. But again, these people didn't have to show an ID or anything. So people requesting these, they, they were not in danger of being caught. So that's how it uh, looks like the Democratic Party figured out how to cheat in Wisconsin. And they right there, if you take the 2016 numbers and just round that 8,900 up to 10,000, and then we'll, uh, the uh, so what we're talking about here is really about 160,000 vote uh, extra ballots. So from 2012 to 20, from, excuse me, from 2016 to 2020, they were, there was a request of 160,000 more ballots. <laughs> I mean, it does take a rocket scientist to figure out what's going on there. So the, uh, and by the way, at the end of this, this uh, the person who was the head up this uh, this project, the Voter Integrity Project, he said that if you go all the way back to to Clinton, he said he had confidence that Clinton won uh, election and re-election. He said if you go to Obama and you look at 2012 and 2016, he said he still was confident that Obama won that election. He said, but for the first time, really, first time in history in his lifetime. He said he does not have confidence that Biden actually won this election. Uh, now, the problem is, is it provable? This is the day that we're supposed to be having uh, uh, the uh, uh, information from Sidney Powell. Uh, one of the attorneys that's looking into this is supposed to drop this, uh, this alleged bomb, if you will, of corruption and accusations, if you will, uh, against Georgia. Uh, I'm looking forward to seeing that. And speaking of which, Sydney Powell, she did identify uh, Arizona as being the state that they gave the Democrat candidates a 35,000 vote head start. Uh, and by the way, that's enough to overturn the to overturn several elections in, in that state, if that is uh, indeed true. And that's what we want to find out: is this true? Uh, and incidentally, speaking of Georgia. 
the governor of Georgia is Republican. The secretary of state is Republican. And they're saying these people were involved, that these people were corrupt. And so they're going after them too. Uh, and I wholeheartedly support that. We need to have faith in our elections. We need to know that our vote really does count. And it doesn't if somebody's going to steal it. It shouldn't make Democrats as mad as it makes Republicans. Uh, and, you know, we know that Republicans are upset about it because we feel like this election is, is an attempt to steal this election away, that the true winner of this election was Donald Trump. And that's these, these, these figures, if you will, some of them I just gave you, this evidence with all these affidavits is part of the evidence. They have videotape as part of the evidence. There's plenty of evidence out there. We want to get that in court. And the reason why we want to get that in court is we want to get to the truth. We want to get to the truth because it's only evidence, but it's not provable one way or the other until you get into court. And then you have to go through the court system with all their rules and how they do things to make sure that you hopefully arrive at the truth. There are corrupt courts. I know that from personal experience. But that doesn't mean that, that uh, it's going to stay corrupt, especially once it gets to the Supreme Court. Now that there is a 6-3 advantage to the conservatives, the uh, who actually believe in the rule of law, unlike the, some of their counterparts uh, from the other side, they are they're going to make a decision that's going to be based on the evidence. That's going to be based on truth, or if something is false, they're just going to be thrown out. And that's just it. If this is something provable, and this is something the courts do decide on, uh, no matter what decision is made, we're going to have to accept it. Um, you know, unless obviously we find that there's fraud there too. There was payoffs there too, which the Supreme Court level, and I would think that would not be something that would, uh, would happen. Uh, I would hope not. I do not foresee anything like that happening. But again, we just need to stand firm in our beliefs about what's going on here. And when I say stand firm in our beliefs, we need to, uh, you know, if you are a Christian, Keep praying. Keep praying. Pray for Trump. Pray for uh, this nation. Because I'll tell you what, if Biden does uh, win this election through fraud, as it looks like there's a chance that he can, if the media would already shut him down, if, if it was possible, uh, where I've, I've already seen where some Democrats are calling for the uh, arrest of Trump supporters who do not accept this uh, election as such. So anyway, stand firm. Do not give up. Continue praying for President Trump. Continue praying for this nation. And uh, I want to thank you. Thank you for listening to episode six of the Revolutionary Insights podcast. Uh, title of it was, Is Election Fraud Real? I think we can see now election fraud is real. From my, And you probably have personal experience yourself. And by the way, speaking of personal experiences, if you have some personal experiences with election fraud, like I had several of them just in my short lifetime here, but if you have uh, some, uh, some stories about that, and if you'd like to, go ahead and share them with me. Uh, you can do that by uh, sending me an email uh, at billhawkins at revolutionaryinsights.com. That's billhawkins at revolutionaryinsights.com. I'd like to see some of uh, your own personal experiences with, uh, with voter fraud. Uh, you can also do the same thing on my Facebook page, uh, Revolutionary Insights. Um, also the MeWe page, which I'm trying to get over to, to MeWe more and more since Facebook is such an enemy of uh, anybody that's uh, of our ilk, if you will, if we're conservatives. The, uh, but you also, um, 
if you know anybody that uh, who, who doesn't quite understand the difference between the Democrat and Republican parties, if you know any Christians, for example, that are Democrats, which doesn't make any sense, if so, then I've got a great gift idea for you for Christmas. Uh, the, my book, Where's the Party? explains the difference between the Republican Party and the Democrat Party. It also explains to you what few people know, and that is what fascism is. What's the difference between fascism and communism? What's the difference between socialism and liberalism? Uh, you know, what is conservatism? You know, where does our Constitution fall on this? Where does the Bible fall on this? Where does the Ten Commandments fall on this? You know, those are things that's going to be answered. And then we're going to do is what I do in the book is I actually take party platforms and, all, and uh, some of the, the different writings of the, the different party leaders, their actions and such, and we compare them to what the Ten Commandments says. So when we do that, we're going to see where, where each party stands when it comes to things such as the first, second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth, ninth, and tenth commandments. And I'm going to give you a spoiler alert here. The spoiler alert is this. The Democrats, as far as supporting the bill, the, not the Bill of Rights, but the Ten Commandments, Bill of Rights too, probably. But the Democrats, as far as supporting the Ten Commandments, are zero for ten. O for ten. Not only do they not support them, they openly and actively oppose them. The Democrat Party is anti-Christian, and I can prove it. And you can prove it, too, to somebody, a friend that you have, another church member, or somebody else, a relative... Get them that book. It's only $12.95 on my site. Uh, and I purposely made it thin. It's not a real big, thick book. It's something somebody can read really in no time, uh, no time at all. So go ahead, if you will, and if you do that, just go to my website, revolutionaryinsights.com. Once you do that, there's going to see a tab for store. Click on store. Right now you have a choice between two books on there. My first one, a historical novel. The second one, Where's the Party? Uh, then you can go ahead and buy them right there online. Keep us in your prayers, and uh, again, be encouraged. This is not over.